Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Miss Apex Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready. The title of today's show is Lando Hope and Glory. It's a pun. I'm going to allow it. And that was from Alex McBride on Twitter. I'm joined today for this race review by Matt Two Rumpets. How's it going, Matt? It's going well. Did you know that Max Verstappen won the race? He, he was in this race, Max Verstappen. He raced today in Austria. Yes, I'm going to say it now because having watched the entire race, I think we are going to get absolutely sidetracked from the fact that he won the whole thing. Don't worry, guys. There is a, a big Max Verstappen section. He's going to get his props. Don't you worry. But I'm a little bit more concerned about the power we have over F1. I think I have cursed all the drivers by saying, oh, there's not been many incidents, has there, this season? We've, we've hardly got to use our whose fault is it bumper at all. Uh, no, we've not. And uh, boy, it's going to get a workout today, though. I tell you what, we should start by listing all the drivers that didn't either get a penalty or get called to the stewards. That's a shorter uh, list. That's the shorter thinking, way to do I'm it. I'm thinking. <laughs> it might just be Max, so Max might kick off. But I tell you what, let's start off by reminding you that we're an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind permission of our better halves. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. We're also joined by man of the people, Chris Stevens. Hello, Chris. Hey, Spanners. Nice to see that crowd, wasn't it? It was very different. And also the, the Dutch crowd, they were like football fans. It was like this weird football party atmosphere, but nice to see. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. It's been missing from <laughs> the last few Grand Prix, isn't it? Just that atmosphere, the crowd roaring as their hero comes across the finish line to win. Uh, yeah, something I've really missed. Yeah, I, I've, I mean, if they can do that, I wish I could have seen my kids' sports day. But whatever, I don't make the rules, Chris. But do you think we're basically in for just this wall of orange in Northern Europe now for the next kind of 10, 15 years? I hope so. I think the it's funny you mentioned the football 
um ism of it because obviously formula one is a bit of a younger sport in the netherlands it's kind of come back up because max verstappen is has been doing so well and so there probably are a lot of football fans for example who are becoming formula one fans okay and we're also joined by presenter and producer ellen ellard hello ellen welcome back to the shed oh thank you spanners what what did you think of the the double header interesting to go to the same place twice or boring and rubbish I think it was interesting, um, but not like it wasn't. I, w- I wasn't like properly enthused, especially after last week. I was like, oh. and I, I love Austria. I love a course, a course, a track <laughs> where a, course. a car course, <laughs> car course. That's what they're called. I love a track where there's lots like visually going on, and um, so that was like that's always a big seller for me. So I'm like, boom, love that. Yeah. Um, I've got the memories of last year's last lap, Lando, sort of that <laughs> reminiscent of that drama that was sort of pulled through in the last couple of, well, like the last yeah. lap pretty much. And this year and these past two weeks, I mean, I think this week saved it. I think this week's brought it back. But looking back at last week, if we'd have had two of them, I'd be saying it was a disappointment. Yeah, okay, fair enough. I think this week's has been incident packed. I think that's fair to say, isn't it? And we're mm. certainly going to have a, a a bunch of whose fault is it is 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 is. That's Matt, that's how you say it uh, this week. But there's also a lot of racing stuff. And right from the very start, in fact, with qualifying. Ooh, well, we could have a whose fault is it for Alonso Vettel. I'm not going to... In fact, no, we can do it. Let's kick straight off with a... Whose fault is it? <laughs> a very emotional... Fernando Alonso on the radio absolutely giving it both barrels for Sebastian Vettel and Sebastian Vettel I think straight away realized that it was at least his car in the wrong but just watching them trying to put like a reach out of their hands device and their seatbelt just to put a little forlorn hand out of the side of the cockpit and you go no one's seeing that mate Fernando is still pretty mad. I am going to jump to Sebastian Vettel's aid and say that it was the fault of the Little queue jumpers. Oh, okay. as, you know, as a Brit, Explain. we don't like queue jumpers around here. <laughs> no. Expl- if, of course, there's this gentleman's agreement that towards the end of a lap, you don't you know, jump your place in the queue because everyone backs up to try and get a gap. You don't go and pass someone and ruin their preparation or whatever. We've seen a lot of people break this gentleman's agreement, and it happened quite a lot this weekend, and it left Sebastian Vettel having to really slow up towards the end of the lap. And... Fair play, the team should have maybe got on the radio a little bit earlier and said, Fernando's coming, you need to get on it now. But uh, you, could, I wouldn't really say it was Sebastian doing anything wrong. You have clearly plagiarized the article that Sarah and I wrote for the website. Because oh. that is exactly what I was about to say. It was Nora's fault. He was the first to jump the queue. Poor old Vettel and Signs out there all by themselves, leaving the garage on time. Here comes Lando. And let's see, who was it? Ricardo and Stroll and Perez. And no sooner do they go by and ruin his gap than here come Botas, Russell and Hamilton and do the same thing to him. And then to rub his face in it, Perez goes around him too. So it was the Brits jumping the queue. I'm Imagine. disappointed. They, they, might, they might lose their passports for that. <laughs> now, hilariously, Russell actually came up behind Botas and then passed him straight away. So make of that what you will. Uh, and then Norris goes and ruins everything by popping up in, in second place, Ellen. I was expecting him to do well this season, but to go like front row 
It was just, and it didn't look like a fluke either, and it didn't look like anyone else was particularly struggling. He just just nailed it. No, he just looked so so strong. We knew the McLarens and him in particular were looking good, but to be that good is just exceptional. And I think there's a really interesting point where he's made this joke a couple of times this weekend, where he said, "Oh, the orange in the crowd, oh, all <laughs> they're my fans." Yeah, yeah, yeah. But actually, if we sort of translate that to like Wimbledon. There's a really interesting point where Murray had picked out a, a player, or no, a random spectator yeah. in the in the crowd, and was like, "That's going to be my motivation." So I'm not sure. Like he's joking about it, but genuinely, if you're trying to visualize that victory, visualize that future, and you've got a sea of orange fans, that's got to be great for you. That's got to be great motivation. Yeah, like on this panel, I look at Chris and I go, "Chris, you're my motivation." Uh, is is that good? Uh, I think so. Yeah. I didn't. Okay. I didn't really understand what Ellen was I'll saying. I take that as a compliment. Yeah, I will take right. that. Make your F one point though. That, thank you, thank you, mm. Spanners. I appreciate that. Um, yes, M- McLaren has gone very, very well in Austria. Even you know about when they were powered by Renault. So I don't think it's just a Mercedes power gives them good straight line speed thing. They've gone well here the last few years. Of course, we all remember last lap Lando from uh, from last year. Uh, and uh, Norris also benefited just a little bit from uh, a bit of a slipstream from Verstappen. He was sort of about in that perfect window where you get a good toe down the street straights doesn't hurt you too much in the corners because this track is made up of a lot of um, straights and you think had he just like nailed that last corner if we watch the side-by-side comparison if he just nailed that last corner might well have been on pole position well, what if Verstappen had given him a little bit more of a toe and cost himself pole position to yeah. a McLaren that would have been absolutely uh, bonkers um, but yeah just it just shows those margins and actually Max Verstappen not happy straight on the radio after getting pole position going, yeah, well, we could have got more pole position. We could have got two pole positions. We could have bagsied the Silverstone pole position from here as well. But he's not happy, Matt, because he knows how close it was to, to losing that pole position. And here, I think the, the good positions were vital when you look at lap one that we'll get to, obviously. But they knew what they were fighting for. Yeah, no, he did. And he was very displeased. He'd been put out at the front of everybody. And he he was very clear that he never wanted to be in that position ever again. Thank you very much. To which his team replied artfully, that's pole position, Max. Yeah, you, you, you got the pole. You're, you're absolutely great. All right, then. I tell you what, let's move on to the race. And this is where we turn to Matt to. And by the way, that article that you and Sarah wrote is a mistapex.net. Go look there, scroll down past the talkie and the videos, and there's a bunch of articles. They're great. They're going to have their own Twitter account soon. But go and check out the stuff that we are producing. I can't take any credit because I can I can barely read and write. I should go to a, a school for podcasters that can't read and write so good. But these guys are absolutely on it, mistapex.net. But Matt, tell us where the race, oh, hang on, there's a bumper for that too, was won and lost. Well, obviously, obviously, it's some kind of weird Honda cheat. They must have a fuel flow, something or other. I don't know. An engine, a secret mode. Do you really want me to get into that now? No. Because I have a thought. Now, let's do the tech. Let's do that on the tech when you and Summers chat. All right. Fair enough. Um, So the first place and the most important place in the place that caused everything was the place that Norris was in. That would be second place. His defense of second place. And it's critical to remember that he, unlike last time, qualified on the same tires 
as the cars around him, mm. which would be the medium tire. He kept Lewis Hamilton at bay till lap 20. Last week, it was lap 11 when Perez got around him. And that was the everything, because by the time Lewis was around him, it was eight or nine seconds up the road to max. The race was, you know, barring a mishap for Red Bull, entirely over at that point. I was a little confused to see Lando defending that position so heavily. Actually, I know you might say, well, look, he's in second place. McLaren don't often get a chance to fight for that position. But before the race, they were saying, our fight is not with the Mercedes and with the Red Bulls today. We are here probably to bag fifth position and make sure we gap Ferrari in the Constructors' Championship. He didn't have to defend quite so hard. His car was 5K quicker down the straights, if I remember rightly, than both the Red Bull and uh, the Mercedes. But yeah, I was really surprised to see him pushing so hard for that position and to the point where you know getting the incident with Perez I, no I love it I'm a fan of it if we remember at Spa I think it was uh, Ocon who suddenly found himself going up the Camel Strait and had that chance to dive down the lead on the inside of a Ferrari and Lewis Hamilton and he backed out because he just went Do you know what? that's not my fight carry on we're, we're all we're all there screaming going oh, my goodness a force India nearly just led into to, you know, into like turn four of Spa, whereas Landon Norris just doesn't have that attitude. He's just like, nah, I'll, it's my position. I'll have you. Well, yeah. And this is the thing. Like you say, why did he defend it so hard? And to me, he's like, I'm going to defend it till I feel like I'm losing time. I will drive my race and make them go around me. And that is absolutely what I saw. And you brought up the Perez thing. I want to mention it briefly. It mattered a lot because one, it kicked Perez back to 10th place and took him absolutely out of the strategic picture. And two, that first trip to the beach apparently caused some damage to the car that also made his life more difficult later on. So uh, Norris, in the end, at, ended up being a very, very quick car. Like maybe it was skewed a little bit because Perez was out of contention and Hamilton also had floor damage, it turned out. But he was not far away from Bottas. He genuinely could have been second place in that race were it not for the penalty. So he ended up having the pace to fight for that position, it turned out. I love that we think the same. You've literally just covered my second and third points here <laughs> as to where the race was won and lost. But let's start with the Norris penalty because that was critical. He got dinged five seconds after he entirely legally took his normal racing line we don't out need of to, the... We don't need to go into that. We don't, we don't need to go... We'll go into it in sure, lots I'm of... I'm sure just... the panel agrees with me here, so I will just gloss over that and move on. There might be a segment later. <laughs> but he got dinged five seconds by the stewards who were, well, they were apparently on a mission today to just award everyone a penalty if they possibly could. And that five seconds, when he came in for his pit stop around lap 30-ish, uh, Botas followed him in made the super easy pass. And from that moment on, he was going to be stuck behind Valtteri. There was not quite enough pace in the McLaren to get round him. And we don't really know, although after the race, Bautas has said, well, you know, I mean, he was putting pressure on us. We don't really know quite what they had in hand. What a genius move from Mercedes to pit Norris, uh, to pit Bottas at the same time as Norris. Normally you hear the message, box opposite yeah. whoever the car in front is because you're either going for the overcut or the undercut here they knew that norris was going to sit in that box for five seconds 
before the mechanics could even touch the car. So he was going to get past him no matter what. So why risk losing time with an overcut or an undercut? Uh, Ellen? Yeah, I just think, I think it was an incredibly safe strategy from them. Um, But it was a brilliant move to make sure that they have Bottas. And then, you know, we'll come on to it later on. Obviously, they were then making calls on Bottas for Bottas to give him the advantage later on in the race. But I think, you know, it all started to be made apparent earlier on, you know, that that was what they were going to do and that they were really going to push for Bottas to be up there, which is a nice backing considering everything we've seen sort of go on this weekend yeah. with, you know, Hamilton getting the contract. You know, this is nice to see them back him and be like, go on, show us what you've got. Right. I think that stop was so relaxed that he might have even had a slice of pizza before they sent him on his way. (laughs) I tell you what, Matt, that is a good dissemination of of one and lost. And we're trying to keep that segment a bit shorter and break it down into topics. So we are going to talk about the Red Bull domination. Uh, We're going to talk about Lando Norris in more detail, uh, some incidents that happened. Bottas and his place in the team uh, and of course the the magical adventures of, of George Russell as well so I suggest we finish off one last and go straight to whose fault is it because I know people in the chat room are dying to talk about the Perez incident oh, of course they are absolutely and especially because he then went on to get penalized twice for the same thing which if he wasn't out of the race before absolutely put him out after but I'd say the third thing that really made the difference here was the mystery damage to Hamilton's floor and it happened between lap 35 and 38 and they think it might have been him going a bit wide at turn 10 they don't know but they said it cost him 30 points of downforce which is just well without going into the math a lot it's a lot of time per lap and you could see very clearly Hmm. both Botas and Norris were faster than him and that alone confirms to me that there was some kind of problem going on there it was not just him being slow yeah this is not ham to say it would be very much a surprise if on genuine pace partway through the race Hamilton suddenly became you know swamped by Bottas and then any McLaren or any midfield car so it does seem apparent he either had his most off day ever or there was some genuine damage there I don't know whether 30 points of downforce is a lot or a little and I'm not prepared to learn Chris I don't think it's this curse of the new contract because remember, Ocon signed a contract before France and he's <laughs> yeah. had a terrible time yeah. of it since. Lewis has just signed a new contract. I mean, it'll be 15th at Silverstone. Yep, there we go. I tell you what, let's play a game. It's called... Whose fault is it? Now, we can't hold it off any longer, can we? Everyone was in a right kerfuffle over the incident between Lando Norris and Sergio Perez. For me, I agree with most people to say it was a racing incident, but if you were going to force me to apportion blame one way or the other... I would argue Perez, unfortunately. Okay. I know that's going to upset you. But... Okay, okay. look. Um, no, it's not. It's fine. I, I completely don't mind people thinking stuff, right? But... <laughs> Even if um, it's wrong. Okay, so to explain to people about the, the racing incident thing, I don't like apportioning things to a racing incident. Of course, they probably exist in some weird parallel universe. But for the sake of Miss Apex podcast, I like exploring the rules around racing and therefore... I like people to decide whose fault it is the most. So who do you mostly assign blame to? Uh, Matt, Chris is saying that is down to Sergio Perez. How about yourself? I agree. I agree. I have a consistent view of how those things should be judged, I think, in my own mind, at least. And uh, in the way I look at that, in that instance, Perez needed to have backed out. Okay, so so tell you what, I I don't want to be... I'll be the... I'll be the counter voice of reason here. 
my thing has been consistently that if there is a car on the outside, you shouldn't be able to just drive on through all the way to the exit, forcing the other car to jump out of the way. And this started, I know people will accuse me of bias here, but I think I've been fairly consistent on this. It has been a Lewis Hamilton move that I never liked. So he used to do this regularly to Nico Rosberg, which was just either chop across him and make him uh, break out of the way on the outside of the corner or just run him off like he did at Canada. Verstappen has has done it as well a few times. And kind of Verstappen was the first to just not get penalised for it. Then they didn't penalise Leclerc at Monza, Chris. Uh, and then they haven't been penalising Verstappen for doing it, most recently at Imola as well. So this running out wide has kind of set a precedence where... If you're the inside car, just go to the edge. And if there's a car there, you expect him to get out of the way. And so rarely do the cars just sit there and go, do you know what? I'm here. Hit me. But my feeling has always been you can't drive there because there's a car there. So if you drive into where there's a car on track, it's your fault. So in, in this instance, my first instinct, and don't, don't do a YouTube comment yet because it's a long conversation. All right. My first instinct was that is Norris's fault for not leaving a car's width. Perez was there. Uh, and then Paris had to not be there to avoid being here. So my feeling on this is if you're trying to make a move around the outside, you should expect to be you know, pushed out and, and to run out wide. You'll see it in every single racing category. But if you actually watch Norris's onboard from the incident, it's not like he unwinds the steering. He is full lock all the way through to the exit of the corner. So what he's doing there is just plain understeering which you will always do if you're in on the inside of that corner because it's a downhill uh, corner. It is just inherently going to push the car out wide. So if you're on the car on the inside, this is, so, this is the thing that's always confused me. If you're on the car on the inside in that battle, and uh, Nor- Norris was slightly behind, but then gained by breaking late, and it was a good, nice, aggressive move. We want to see it. But if you go down the inside, Matt, like Chris says you are always compromising your line. So you're not on the racing line at that point. The car on the outside of you is on the racing line. Why this feeling amongst F1 fans that the car on the inside has a right to the corner? Surely that just means, all right, if we say you can do that, then never race around the outside. It stops racing. Well, it's, to me, it's not never race around the outside. But it usually, if you were alone on the track and you were driving the optimum line, once you got to the apex, Norris owned it. And to me, what's crucial about this and and where you can make arguments either direction, like this doesn't shut down the outside move, is that on the exit of the turn, Norris had his wheels ahead of Perez. And to me, that gives him (laughs) a whisper, but, you know, visibly ahead, that gives him the right to draw the lanes on the way out of it. Now, to be fair, my perspective comes from bike racing. You could be right next to someone when you're racing a bike, but if they if they are ahead of your handlebars, they can move you anywhere they want to. And if you try and fight them, all you're going to do is crash. And I see it exactly the same okay. way. At other times, people, when we've seen that move work, yeah. we've seen people on the outside going faster and being ahead as they get it on the exit. And at that point, the person on the inside is now constrained by the lanes the person on the outside draws. So to me, that's the point. A few people in the chat there. Hello, live chat, by the way. Um, just a few, lots of people saying about, well, the person on the racing line has it. I, I think I need to be clear on this. I don't think this is disputable, really, is that when you're in wheel-to-wheel battle, the racing line, that's not a thing. It's not just 
the person on the racing line is is on it and then the other person just has to find their way around the the rules are, are a little more complicated than that look at it this way as well perez had he backed out of it he'd have had another shot at it at some point you know there was really no need to make that move so hastily as well thing is ellen it is wild west isn't it because there actually isn't any rules <laughs> of what no. they should do in the corners no entirely and i think lando said something really interesting after the race he was saying that you know if you look at pretty much any of these junior series like anyone racing on that track will know that if you try and go around the outside there you are going to be you're going to get yourself in trouble and we've seen it you know we don't just sit in the junior series we see it you know we sit in f1 we've seen yep. plenty of times there in f1 and i think that was really interesting you know perez made that same mistake so many times this race and you know he said after you know it's not that's not how i want to race that's not how i do it but I think say, Norris saying that was actually really interesting because he's not, you know, in all the post-race interviews, he yeah. was like, he wasn't giving in. He knew like he was, that it was his to take and it was his line. Um, but yeah, I thought that sort of reflection back on how you'd know, like they would know, like Perez should have known. That's even, a, yeah, go on, Chris. Even Christian Horner called the penalty harsh. And for me, <laughs> that's a slam dunk. Yeah. No answer for that. No, I think he's got Max Verstappen as his number one driver. You can't go. If you've got Verstappen as your driver, you can't say <laughs> that pushing people wide on exit is bad because that is like the Verstappen. That's the Verstappen move. In this case, Chris, I think, you know, some people are going, well, he should have patience. He should have waited. He went out on the outside of turn one. So that was their first battle in a carbon copy, actually, of what Norris did to him. So in Austria one. Norris went out on turn one and kept the position by going out wide and coming back on track. Okay, that set of presidents, Perez, did the same thing. Turn three, he then, you know, attacked and, and they stayed side by side. And, and this was, you know, turn four, he kind of got the move done. It's not, no, that's the wrong thing to say. He'd gotten ahead. Lando actually fought back. So in this situation, it feels like Norris is actually the overtaking car in a way. But Perez, I think, had a speed delta, felt, oh my goodness, Lando Norris has ruined, like, 18 races for me this season I, I need to get around now before i get swamped by hamilton i definitely feel like it's less clear cut than the albon hamilton oh yeah incident from the totally previous different. year because yeah. in that one for example albon had half a car length on hamilton at least by the time they got to the exit of the corner matt yeah and and that to me is sort of consistent with this idea that you have to look at what's happening at the exit of the corner. And people are in the chat are making the point. Yeah, they were very, very close. And, you know, it, it, I can understand the argument from both sides. But to be consistent to me, it's always going to come down to the front wheels on exit. That said, we did see more than a few people make that move back out of it and then absolutely nail the person into turn six. And so if you're going to go for Perez being impatient, Maybe if he just waited to turn six, there would have been no defense from Landau that he could have successfully made. Uh, that Yeah, I mean, that would carry perhaps more weight had the Mercedes not been stuck behind Lando Norris for, for 20 laps, Matt. That would be my, my counter to that. And when you've got two Mercedes looming behind you. What? I said Mercedes, not Honda. Uh, the, the engine in the red. I think Perez had more speed than either of the Mercedes. Okay, okay. Well, all I'm saying is that I could see why there was an imperative uh, for them to go past. Um, then on social media, everyone, I assume, it thought that I was being like Perez Fossey. Serge Fossey? Czech Fossey? Chris, you're good at this kind of thing. What, what, what Serge Fossey? That sounds a bit warry, doesn't it? 
Checo Fernanza. I don't know. No, uh, Fiesta. Okay. I'm, we'll I'm trying, to, I'm we'll trying to make it, it Mexican. Yeah, yeah we'll see. work on that. See what you were doing. We should be careful of cultural appropriation. But okay, right. But what 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 this is alluding to is as soon as Perez then had that incident with uh, Leclerc, everyone's kind of yelling at me online, going, "What say you now? What say you now, Spanners?" Well, same thing. He pushed him wide. He went fully uh, to the outside. Uh, didn't leave racing room uh, twice. That was my initial impression. I have actually changed my mind slightly. I'm happy that the rules were applied consistently in this race but they have been applied in a marked change to previous FIA policy on this kind of incident. Yeah, so what I really don't understand is that Paris has just been involved in an incident of a similar nature where the other driver was penalised. Why did he do that exact same thing to someone twice? Right, okay. Is he surprised he got <laughs> 10 seconds worth of penalties? Uh, to be fair, that? I don't think he is surprised, and I don't think he expressed any surprise. I think he's 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 actually said, Ellen, you know, he said, I, I feel like I might have ruined Leclerc's race. He was gutted. In his post-race interview, he was, you could tell he was gutted. You know, he didn't, like he said, that's not how I race, that's not how I want to race. And you could see in his eyes, he was not happy today, obviously wasn't happy today. But I think it went, part of it did go sort of to the personal level of how he wants to drive and how he wants to put himself out there as, you know, a good, clean driver. And just the mistakes he was making right, just weren't, weren't him. Well, yeah, okay, they weren't him. Why was he driving like that today in a very un-Perez way? Because, in fact, my criticism of him has normally been not being pushy enough, especially on lap one, whereas here he was fully elbows out. Driving like a man, I would say, that, that has confidence of where he's going to be next year. Possibly. Possibly. I think that might come into play. I think part of it is the pressure as well. You know, when we're talking about Red Bull dominance, if Max is the one leading that, is there a bit sort of him who's like, right, okay, yeah, I've had, and he's had a little bit of it, you know, he's had had a little bit of bite of success. I mean, a little bit, he's had quite a lot, but he wants to make sure that's continuing. He'll see Max and will go, I want to be up there with Max. I want to be, you know, I want to be there, you know, on rotation first and second every Mm -hmm. week. So it's that thing when you look at the video later, you're like, oh, yeah, I can see where that's the case. During the race, you look at what he did and you're like, why would he give himself two more penalties like that? It must be the red mist. He must be out of his mind. But let's remember, number one, he did have some damage from that first trip to the gravel. And then later on, when they were looking at it um, on Sky, I believe, you could see that he suffered from like, uh, was it? a pretty nasty bit of understeer in at least one of those Leclerc incidents. So I'm I'm willing to believe him when he says it was, you know, I was just caught out by the behavior of the car in that incident. And I wasn't really yeah. trying to ruin somebody's race like that. Oh, Ellen's disagreeing. She's shaking her head in a mean way. Hide. No, no, I'm just saying like, it's not, I don't think, it, I don't think you can put it all down to the car. Yeah. You can get caught up in how the car is, but I think he admitted to it being not how he wanted to drive and he didn't apportion a huge amount of blame to the car or the scenario he was in. I, I just want to make a slight difference between the Lando uh, Perez incident and then the Perez Leclerc incident. Everyone's kind of apportioning those as being the same, and they're just not. And I just, I, I'm hoping you guys will agree with me here that the Norris one, we're arguing about whether you should run someone out on the outside or not, leave the space. With the Leclerc Perez one at the same point, Actually, it was all done and dusted by by the exit. The, the the drama was caused much nearer the apex. I really think this was a simple case of Perez 
just understeering into Leclerc. And then, yes, after that, subsequently, that put them both wider than they wanted to be. Leclerc had felt the hit. He'd slowed up a bit of gravel, then got back on track. But actually, Chris, I don't think those incidents were as similar as everybody just assumed they were straight away. I'd say the second one was. The first one, we're definitely more talking about the wheel banging. Yeah. And then uh, the second one you're talking about is turn six, where actually uh, Karun Chanduk showed it pretty well that it was a snap of oversteer. But the funny thing about that turn six, Chris, is that the, the track is a certain way. So you go all the way to the outside. And then just before you get to the corner entry, you have to take a little jink further out to the right because there's a little bit more concrete. So you have to miss the grass, go on the concrete, and then jink back in. So... You know, Perez leaving space to the right-hand side, suddenly it gets to that jink point <laughs> and there's a little bit more work to do, ends up snapping and then sort of running into Leclerc. So I think both those things weren't like active decisions against Leclerc. He basically kind of was out of control on both of those. So perhaps overdriving. Well, out out of control or not, I, if anything, I think that's slightly worse. Yeah, well, really. no, 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 I'm not, I'm not defending him. I'm just, I'm just saying what happened, yeah. yeah. And actually, okay, and I will say, Matt, I stand on my I stand on my ground that the outside car deserves space. I stand by it. However, I actually think that Norris didn't even shove him off. I think Perez. Well, I think what happened was Perez into turn four saw Norris coming down the inside, got on the power a little bit early, and pretty much ran himself wide. Looking back at the replays, it looked like he just was trying too hard to hold on to the outside. And then as he starts drifting off, Norris is a very experienced racer. He's not risking contact. He starts to see the gap opening up to the left as Perez is essentially understeering on exit. And then he just fills that space. And uh, I actually think that incident looked worse on, on Norris than uh, in, the first, in the first instance. That's remarkably... Uh, even minded of you, I'm impressed. Nah, doesn't sit Sorry, well. <laughs> Spanners. Can I? Yeah. Can I ask? Would you make a move like that around the outside? Oh, in yeah. I racing and expect. Yeah. To be given racing room. Well, we will find out because round five of the Missed Apex iRacing series is in the Formula Threes at the Red Bull Ring with Chris and Ellen commentating yeah. as well uh, i don't expect to be on good form but let's see if i put my money where my mouth is and uh, yes i will be making lots of mad moves around the outside of turn four man what a segue i'm so looking forward to this weekend <laughs> <laughs> so please subscribe to missed apex motorsport if you want to see uh production by uh, uncle steve all the way in australia uh, monitoring uh, the racing of myself uh, matt the likes of van jean uh, kyle power we'll try and convince brad as well and chris and ellen on comms it's worth saying as well, you know, the Red Bull Ring only just came out on iRacing, so we're all going into this pretty green. No one really knows what's going to happen. So Mark in the chat room just says, uh, so it was Checo's fault then. So yes, I am I'm saying that the uh, going off track was his fault. There is a broader point that I am trying to address, which I've been beating the drum on forever, which is what should the racing rules be? Ellen, we, we are the FIA. We're the FIA. What are the rules going into a corner? Two cars uh, side by side, one on the inside, one on the outside. Surely we can't just live in a world where every single time the inside car just gets it. I think the problem is, isn't it, that the tracks are so varied, you would almost yeah. have to write rules for every single corner on every single track. And I, yeah, and I think that's, you know, it's, that's where the sort of like racing incident 
part comes in because they're going to be that you know it is so different no but no because it is so different for each track and each you know each collision each you know whatever happens is so different um yeah I don't know it's it is a tough one Matt you're the FIA what do we do uh, well, you know, you know what I'm going to say. It's going to be what I already think, which is the driver that's ahead on the exit of the corner gets to pick the line and the other driver needs to be okay with that. I would go even further and take away some of these rules and say, right, no moving under braking because that's dangerous. Uh, don't just nerf people off. Uh, rest of it, we will just kind of let lie unless we think you've gone a bit too far. No. Yeah, I- I want mandated rules for everything, Ellen. I've decided. That's what I want. Every single corner has a rule. That's no, but that's that's yeah. I definitely agree with Chris because I I just think you know do the obvious safety things like Chris has just mentioned, but don't don't like you know don't let them race. Do you know what I mean? Like Wild West. It's the Wild West. Yeah, but you know when there's when there's like. You know, if we're debating for this long over who's to blame and everyone's got that sort of like, oh, this, that, this, that, you know, is there, is it worth, you know, they're, they're just racing, let them race. These are the best drivers in the world. Let them settle it themselves. No, have rules for everyone to follow. And uh, I, uh, we have another one, don't we? We have another. Whose fault is it? Since we're playing the game, we may as well do this. Uh, Seb- Sebastian Ocon. Esteban Ocon, Matt. Not looking good, yeah. is it? Sebastian Ocon. Esteban Ocon qualified out of Q3, out in Q3. Q1, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I always get them mixed up. Yeah, I okay. I do the same thing if it makes you feel any better. So he was out in the bad qualifying, ended yes. up down the back of the pack, squeezed by the Haases. I'm going to say it's his fault for being racing Haases. It was uh, Alfa Romeo. Oh, Giovinazzi. was it Alfa Romeo's? Okay, white and red cars near the back. How did you see that incident? I think Giovinazzi got the penalty in the end. Yeah, because Giovinazzi caused the contact. Indov, um, Indov, he gets sandwiched going into, was it turn three, I think? He made it around the first turn, down into turn three. He's got Giovinazzi on the inside. He's in the middle. And around the outside comes Schumacher. Now, you could blame him because Schumacher being in that space kept Ocon from moving over. Um, but I think, you know, given the way the Haas drives, I think he probably just entirely misses braking and was just lucky to not hit Ocon. And he managed to not create any contact. So kudos to him. Giovinazzi just drifted wide and, you know, smacked his uh, right front wheel. And because the Alpine is so well constructed, it just fell off. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, Izzy in the suspension bay, Chris, has got to be sitting there going, oh, no, my suspension arm, it crumbled like a Kit Kat. I forgot that Giovinazzi got a penalty for said incident, and I'm surprised, to be honest, because, I mean, what was he, three wide, yes, also at the start. I thought they were doing this thing where, at the start, you're kind of given free license, unless you do something really stupid. And to be fair to Giovinazzi... Ocon had the tiniest bit of his car alongside him. He probably can't see him in his mirrors, and he's probably jostling for position, probably thinking more about where Schumacher is than anyone else. What's Ocon doing? Sticking his nose into a gap that it, just back out of it, live to fight another day. Narrator voice. They were side by side in the corner. Not on the exit, though, were they? Well, yeah, but they were in the entry. 
and in mid corner. So if I'm Giovinazzi, I'm going around, there's Ocon next to me. I exit the corner and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to move left now. And I drive into Ocon's <laughs> wheel. Like, oh. it, it was, <laughs> you know. But Chris makes a good point that there really was this kind of ethos of, well, first lap things, get a free pass. Who cares? But I don't know what's going on with the stewards. I don't know what's going on with Massey, Matt. But this was a major departure from normal policy. I I like it because rules shape behavior. So they're clearly trying to shape a certain behavior and to, to their way of thinking. And whatever they do, whatever precedents they set with the rules and the penalties the drivers will start adhering to it. They're going to leave space on the outside now. If that was Massey's mission, he's achieved it. Uh, chat room setting us straight, by the way, Giovinazzi's penalty was for a safety car infringement. I oh, thought I was surprised okay. by that, but it was the point still stands. Okay, fair enough. Uh, okay, uh, right. Let's move on because we've done all our whose fault is, 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 is this. So uh, let's talk about the, ooh, ooh, the Red Bull domination. Wow. Another race, another boring Red Bull victory. Uh, let's see. Were they as dominant as they looked? Was it, was it real? Was it real, Chris? So the pandemic has definitely done Red Bull a favour here by having two tracks or two races at the same track where they happen to go quite well mm. indeed. At this race, I think Mercedes thought they could maybe match Verstappen at the front, especially on these softer uh, tyres. We never got to really see that because Lewis burnt up his tyres trying to pass Norris, which he couldn't do for 30-odd laps. So the race was done by that point. The problem as well, though, is that Mercedes weren't very quick in Monaco. They weren't very quick in Azerbaijan, and they haven't been quick here. So we're pretty much talking about half the races okay. that we've had so far at this season. But wait, wait, I, wait, I, I, expect- I want to challenge. I want to challenge. Monaco, okay, go on. Monaco doesn't count because who cares? Honestly, <laughs> like, it's just a coin toss, isn't it? And okay. Red, Red Bull have had seasons where they look like a beach trolley and they turn up at Monaco and they're still mega. So whatever, Monaco. Uh, Baku, we don't really know the full um pace of the Mercedes and Hamilton because Perez was so mega awesome at holding off at holding off Hamilton and then pew pew secret lasers to Verstappen's tyre trumpets okay sorry no Chris then trumpets well I I was gonna say I fully expect Mercedes to be fighting back at Silverstone though Uh, again Chris is just making my point before I do uh Red Bull is a track where Red Bull has gone well this is not a surprise. The Honda engine in particular does well at altitude, always has done. We know they've had a upgrade on their lubricant, which lets them run the engine hotter. We know that the cylinders are plated with a special plating that lets them run the engine hotter and that they solve the vibration issue that lets them run the, the engine higher, longer, and also hotter. So I think Red Bull already had a pretty big advantage at this specific track racing here two weeks in a row, I think distorts the ultimate gap between the two. And I want to bring up one more thing. When we talk about Silverson, let's not forget, they were testing new rear tires that they are going to run at Silverstone. And the problem, especially Mercedes, we were having at this track was dealing with the rear tires. The rears were really going off on them, causing them no end of trouble. So we might see a very different kind of order at Silverstone. He made it about tires. Everybody drink. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. We could be guilty of having some short memories as well. Let's not forget Le Castellet. Hamilton was a lap oh, away don't do from that. winning. No, Chris, don't do that. Don't act like everybody knows what you mean by Le Castellet. The French what? Grand Prix. You, you, you're confusing people. Come on. No, everyone. Oh, my God. All right. Just because you I don't I bet know. you're the kind of person who says Bahrain instead of Bahrain oh, as well. Oh, get out. Yeah, I don't. I'm just saying. I say, I say right, whatever. Continue your else. pretentious point. What is wrong with the cast? God, you're so weird sometimes. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. At uh, Circuit Paul Ricard, a la the French Grand Prix. Bonjour, no rodders. Thank you. <laughs> the uh, Yeah. Hamilton was one lap away from winning that race and Hamilton had a fantastic streak of race victories earlier on in this season do not discount them we have seen Mercedes come back from bigger deficits than this but do they look confident in themselves oh did you see did you see the Toto Wolf interview on Sky Yeah, that's what I'm talking about he literally said we're gonna turn up and win by 30 seconds and then I was waiting for the ha 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 and there wasn't one no but but he didn't seem the the start of that interview in particular is what I'd talk about in that he he doesn't seem the fully enthused right let's go do this laughing Toto that we're no, used to hurting. seeing we're used to seeing having having a bit of laugh yeah probably what you're expecting when he's saying oh we're gonna win by thirty seconds lol even like Lewis in his post race they he doesn't look like the person who's just signed a new contract he doesn't look like he's got fight and I don't think he's giving fight. Ellen, they're shell shocked. They've just I been. I think they are. Hundred percent thumped. They've been. There's no other way to say, it, is it? They've been thumped twice in a row. It's got to hurt. Completely, but you know, we still need them. Like they or they need them to step up and still be positive and push on and maintain. You know, look back and say, right, okay, this is where we are. This is what we can do. This is how we're going to push forward. Like the general tone was just so downbeat. Like I. I mean, I'm going to Silverstone. I'm not like that confident that I'll see a, a Mercedes win. The thing that worries me about Silverstone is that we're going to have this new qualifying format. We're going to have the first uh, qualifying race happen, which could really shake up the order. No one really knows what's going to happen with that. And it could oh, kind of distort the championship battle again. I think everyone's forgotten about it, <laughs> Spatters. I yeah, I've forgotten about, about it. it. I've forgotten about that 2 a.m. meeting. The uh, so, guys, 
you know how people like <clears throat> the race. What we should do is we should have like another race. What the next weekend, Jeff? No, the day before. No, we need another race. Oh, here we go. It's happening. Whatever, Matt. I'm not going to be a whiner. What now? <laughs> I'm lying. I'm, sorry, you're I'm lying. Derek and marketing's feelings. They did a lot of surveys to decide that was the way to fix F1. All right. All right. We're fine. We're fine. I'm going to pretend that I'm not going to whinge about it, but then I am. Unless it's brilliant, in which case I always said it was going to be brilliant. Sorry, Chris. There you go. No, of course. Yeah, because these stupid millennials can't hold their attention for more than 10 minutes, can they? Yeah, exactly. It's, you're younger than a millennial. It's whatever you are. Right. Yeah, zillennial. Zillennial. Technically, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'd love to talk more about um, Max Verstappen, but this was not his hardest afternoon's work. He had to, he had to defend against Norris. And then, uh, and then actually everything else kind of fell away because, yes, Hamilton had damage. I don't think Bottas currently in the Mercedes is a threat to Verstappen even on a good day. But um, with the Hamilton damage, it was just about managing it and, and getting home. They had more in the tank, by the way. He, was not, he wasn't pushing. Yeah, and it's worth mentioning it was a grand slam for Verstappen. It was all the things. Fastest lap, let every let everything and pole position which they don't often get so i'm just gonna chuck that out there having chucked it out there they had a full pit stop at the end they brought him in put him on fresh tires uh ahead of botas i'm sad in a way that hamilton got his damage because in the early part of the race botas was just hanging about three seconds back at hamilton and i began to think that maybe mercedes was going to try running a split strategy give hamilton the two stopper and let Botas run long and try and stay in Verstappen's pit window so that he could not do that. But the damage ended any dream of that. Yeah, the, the Norris damage had been done, Chris. I'm really surprised. Well, maybe not, because McLaren have a very different relationship with Mercedes than, say, you know, Red Bull have with AlphaTauri or Ferrari have with Haas or Alfa Romeo. But there was c- clearly no call from Mercedes to its customer team get out of our way, or no. stop attacking our car. Okay, so I think there might be a slight difference between, say, Monaco when Ocon was ordered to just like, no, you will get out of the way. I think that probably talks to the amount of money that's involved. For example, there's no Mercedes branding on the McLaren or naming exactly. rights. So I reckon McLaren have probably just paid a bit more. They've paid, the, the package they're on is that we can tell Toto to bog off package. That's the package they're on. I think it, it because they're just a customer rather than say like a partnership. If you wanted to be technical sounding about it, right? Yes, I think I'm I'm with you there. I think it was uh, you, Ellen, wasn't it, that was talking about the the Bottas orders because that was really interesting. Watching the mental gymnastics of whether or not Bottas was allowed to attack his teammate whose car was broken and was and was falling back. It was what must Bottas have been thinking in in that time between. Uh, don't pass Lewis and no, I go on then. Yeah, go on. Everyone's free to attack Lewis. Um, I was trying to think and I I've, I think I've just got so distracted halfway through it when I was going through on Twitter trying to figure out who, when the last time we've had that. Yeah. Um, but it's so it's so rare we're in the position where they're like, you know, it's always either can you let, can you please move aside kindly yep. to let uh, Lewis Hamilton whiz past and uh, go and win a world championship that um, I'm just not used to seeing it but I thought it was really nice to see that happen um, and it was one of those ones where it they, oh, I, it's a difficult yeah. strategy to play isn't it because 
I can't quite remember how far Max was ahead at that point Loads. that he would have been holding. Yeah. yeah. So it wasn't even that he was holding, he would have been holding, um, you know, Bottas up to go and Attack, chase down no. Max. That wasn't going to happen. I think even at some points I was sat there and cause the, you know, the Hamilton, um, Bottas and, and Norris fight was actually, you know, quite interesting. No, no, it was. I, I felt um, that was more about whether they were going to use Bottas to, to defend against Norris yeah. for a moment there yeah. for championship points. Um, that's what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking, which is why it was sort of a, you know, one of those bit of a, maybe an unusual turn to sort of be like, Oh, off you go. Um, but no, it was very nice to see. Um, but yeah, I got to the point where I was like watching this battle and I was like, Oh yeah. And then I was like, Oh, Max is 20 seconds down the road. And it was kind of, when we go back to that Red Bull dominance, you know, that's what we're used to seeing. We were used to seeing, you know, seasons past from, from Lewis. So Don't, it was like one of those yeah. ones where you're used to being like, okay, there is someone because we've had such a, you know, for plenty of races this season so far, it's been so tight. We're not used to seeing someone whiz off down the road. So it's nice to be back in that position. <laughs> yeah. Having that pit stop advantage, Chris. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of people were questioning why they would let Bottas go up the road. I think they were worried that had they not done that, Norris would have passed both of them. Yeah. And uh, if anything, it was like, well, let's get Bottas up the road and at least secure a second place. I don't know. I think I, I don't share that this was a nice thing for Bottas. I don't share that opinion. Actually, the, the takeaway, if I was Bottas watching that back, I would be going, wow, had his damage been any less? Had he been any less injured at all they would have told me to hold station it was in their mind it was one of the options in their toolbox was to say Valtteri don't overtake Lewis and and he knows that now he knows there's absolutely no doubt if there ever was that he is the number two driver for this season it was only when they realized that Hamilton could not hold that station because of the damage that they let him through so that's it there's there's two one two driver teams fighting at the top now well three Remind me again of the uh, driver's championship standings, because I'm pretty sure that he's far down on the list and Lewis is second. Yeah, of course, they're going to do whatever they can. And if there was any season where they were not even going to pretend to be fair about it, once Lewis was clearly the only person who might challenge for a stop, and this is going to be this year. The choice, what they were looking at is how do we get the most points for the team if Lewis can't catch Max? Okay. That's that's why they let him go. If they if they thought Lewis, I think you're right. If they thought Lewis could have gone fast enough, they would have said, "Don't pass him. Defend against Norris." But Lewis did not have the pace, and they figured it out pretty rapidly. And away he went. And to his credit, he did exactly what they hired him to do, which is stay ahead of Norris and clean up when there's a mess with Lewis. Ooh, that is faint praise, though, isn't it, Matt? That is that's your job is to stay ahead of the McLaren. No, I don't think that's faint. At all. I think I think there are plenty of people who could have managed to have not done that <laughs> on the grid right in now. In Mercedes. So, yeah, I think I think Botas is the ultimate safe pair of hands. He did exactly what they want him to do in those situations. I disagree with that Botas is a safe pair of hands. I think we've seen, you know, earlier on, you know, the crash with Russell. Is he a safe pair of hands? You, you know, I don't think I don't that think was he's Russell's a- fault. Well, no, I don't think I don't. We're I'm, not revisiting Imola. Not revisiting that. Anyway, um, I don't think he's a particularly safe pair of hands. But I do think he stepped up when Toto said we need damage, damage limitation, and Bottas stepped up and said, "Okay, 
you know what I can do that I can put my you know I don't know what you know I'm not going to comment on what his ego is but I'm going to put everything aside and just do what I can to make sure we've at least got one driver on the podium yeah Chris fair play Hamilton had a problem Bottas ended Mm. up finishing where Hamilton would have done that is that is to his credit yeah, let's not forget this is a man fighting for his seat at Mercedes, for or his career. Is he really? I think so. He's fighting I think he for is. a Williams seat. I know. I know. Russell came out with that joke comment: "I'll be driving a Mercedes-powered car next year," which could either mean he's at Williams, he's in a Mercedes, or he's in a McLaren, or it doesn't mean anything and no contracts are signed, and it was just a bit of a quip. But I think Russell is going to be in a Mercedes next year anyway. This occurred to me. I'm, I'm just going to put this out there for your general consideration, fans. Valtteri drives a car that is more or less designed for Lewis to win in. Yes. And he goes almost as fast as Lewis. I'm and yeah, sorry. he does have his trouble with the tires. But at the end of the day, like today, when it counts, he's there with the car and finishes where Mercedes needs him to. Russell drives a car that's designed around Russell. And yeah, he does better than Latifi. But how do you think he's going to do in a car? And, and this is a genuine thought experiment. I don't know. How do you think he's going to do in a car that's really aimed at Lewis when he's used to being in a car that's aimed at him? Okay, we're getting into news show territory, but a quick point on that, Chris, then, Ellen. Uh, Russell had the same kind of deal when he was in Formula 2. Not necessarily the car wasn't designed around him, but the team were very much, there's the car, go and drive it, don't complain about it, get on with it. And he won. And he won the title. Okay. So I think he'll be fine. Ellen. I, I was just going to bring it back to the sort of like clears up point. Um, I'm not going to let this go, Matt. But um, <laughs> basically, Fight. how many times, you know, the, the chance of Lewis getting damage in that car is whatever. And you never know when that's going to happen. How many times, like it's been mentioned in the comments, have we seen him chilling in the midfield and if, say, damage happened to Lewis, he'd be nowhere near to help. Yeah, quite quite a lot of times. So, Matt, uh, Ellen is objecting to your safe hands comment. But today, and it's the race review of today's race, he, he was. Yeah, I would say over his whole career, he's mostly been there. I would okay. say if you're talking about this season, you might have a different story. Yeah, but this is, this is the season where if you're not on it, you are going to end up in the midfield. I think previous seasons with Bottas, he can be quite far behind Lewis Hamilton and still be second. I think this is a test, and I think that's fair. But I think we move down uh, down the traditional grid. Well, we do go down the podium to Lando Norris, who finished third. Um, this is a this is a revelation. There was a lovely moment on track, Ellen, which uh, I I would describe as a passing of the torch, where he overtook. And so, there's some arguments. Some people are being you know saying this is cynical, but he goes you know. Lando's a great driver, and it was just like a lovely nod of respect, you know, like a like a handing over to the next young Brit on the way through. Yeah, I think that's nice. I think that's probably one of the few positive things that we heard come out of um, <laughs> come out of Lewis's mouth. Um, but no, I, yeah, I thought that was really nice. I thought there was a couple of moments like that as well. We saw it with uh, with Russell and and Fernando, didn't we? Um, when uh, Fernando was saying, you know, when he came up to coming up behind him realized that he was going to have to overtake him to get in the points and I think he said afterwards that 
you know, it's um, it's like he was hoping that it would have been anyone but Russell because, you know, the grid's clearly getting behind him to want to be, you know, push him on and be like, right. Okay, well, well, the grid might the be point. the grid might be behind George Russell, but the gods aren't. I, oh, I, absolutely I, not. I, I said it was a wizard last week. I'm now convinced it is it's Zeus himself toying with Russell and the other gods like begging. They're saying, but Zeus, you took away his pneumatic pressure last week. Let him have his point. And Zeus ponders it for a second and says, no. Send Alonso, Zeus, please, no, send Alonso now. I saw something, I think it was on TikTok, and it was um, like strange allergies that drivers had, and it got to uh, <laughs> got to Russell, no and it was like, points. he's allergic to points. <laughs> that is harsh, Chris, because he's doing a great job in... Uh, well, okay, here's this argument. People are assuming he's doing a great miracle job in substandard equipment, but... The Williams is a Q3 car. The Williams is a car that's fighting with Mercedes. Oh, sorry, with Ferraris. So this isn't the the Williams of 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 old. No, I think it's a it's a Q3 car just on this track. Don't think we're going to see the same thing across <laughs> most of the season. And I would say at best it's the eighth best car so i think still making q3 and fighting for points is still a pretty amazing thing that he's doing there was a really nice moment after the race there was a clip of from park Ferme of alonso kind of going over and almost apologizing to george for overtaking him and be like sorry i know that you wanted that point but i also wanted that point <laughs> matt well i think what we can agree on is that the williams is a much improved car this is they they look on a good day they can now get into Q3 and not just get into Q3 but get into Q3 on the medium tire am i not mistaken about that of course i'm not mistaken about that wow because self praise is no praise <laughs> self praise is no praise matt i just van jean by mike steve let's get that did. in the edit yeah okay um it's remarkable to me how much better that williams is looking and it's, they are so close on race pace, but they're just not quite there with the tires over the entire race. And once they get that, once they get that nut cracked, and I believe they will, they're bringing developments. They're working on this car. It is getting better. Once they get there, then yeah, you will see uh, uh, Russell in the points. You will see the Williams there on the tracks that favor it. If he does a similarly strong performance at Silverstone, I'll start to believe it's not like track specific all right okay good well that's george russell uh covered but i think i wanted to talk about lando norris whose whose fault was it that i got diverted to it was ellen's fault ellen's fault she missed who missed the apex for you spanners ellen for for derailing my lando chat but that is because <laughs> that's because you've got a cambridgeshire bias so it was uh you wanted to go to cambridge educated george russell uh but i, I think lando norris we are starting to see a, a young driver in really starting to feel comfortable he's comfortable enough to not be the clown prince of formula one anymore chris and he is also comfortable to complain about only getting p3 i know he thinks he was hard done by by the by the penalty but he's also had a bit of luck with the the hamilton damage as well so a net third is probably reasonable from the racing gods and uh but it does show a hunger and it shows that you know he was there, genuinely racing Bottas on pace. It looked impressive. All the people who for years have been banging the Norris drum, I mean, they're onto something, aren't they? He's all right. He's all right, this kid. He's not bad. He's not all bad. right, yeah. Especially when you see the gap to 
Ricardo yeah, at the oh, moment, okay, who we know yeah. is no schmuck. I know Ricardo's still having these problems with this car. The McLaren has a, a very weird characteristic about it that you almost have to be the, the McLaren whisperer to get the most out of it, which Lando seems to have down to a, to a T at the moment. Um, uh, sorry, Ellen. Christopher Fonseca has become our chat steward and has said Ellen gets a five-second penalty for running the conversation um, off track. So you can bring I was us- just about to reply to that. <laughs> so- I absolutely do. I deserve at least... I'm 15 seconds, if that. I'm not. I'm a lap behind. I'm a, a couple of laps down at this point, aren't I, really? So you can get us back on track, Ellen, because <laughs> I, th- th- there's a, a big debate from Ricardo fans, and he has been one of the most promising talents in Formula One, hugely popular. This looks bad it looks critical um but is it is it him being bad is it norris being amazing or is it both um yeah i he just hasn't slotted in the way we thought he would or would have wanted him to um you know he was when he was at red bull he was just he was good at giving a a fight to max he was up there he he seemed you know passionate he seemed he had the aggression in him and he was there with all the fight and now it's it's not looking good. I mean, today looked slightly better, but he was saying afterwards, like the enjoyment was coming back today, but he was saying the enjoyment hasn't been there, which is not really what you want to hear. You know, he needs to be, you know, in the mindset and he needs to be there and pushing. And on the other hand, though, who do you, what do you, who do you replace him with? Yeah, I think it's a bit early to sack him, Ellen. That's harsh. oh, sorry, no, no, like, but I mean, like, you know, who who <laughs> yeah, would yeah. maybe not, maybe not, who would you replace him with? But like, you know, speaking hypothetically, who would uh, who would do a better job in in that car? You know, who's not going to be? I don't. I, Chris is going to jump in here and and fight me. Go on, Chris, <laughs> yep. fight me. Pierre Gasly. Matt, you've looked all wonky eyed at that. I was going to say the obvious answer would be Carlos Sainz, who has oh. already done a better job in that <laughs> car than Ricardo is currently doing. But in fairness to Ricardo, it's a new power unit with different characteristics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do not help him out. Okay, I, I'll say, look, let's give Ricardo a bit more time to catch up because we, we do know the new drivers have been struggling. Everybody else seems to be at a more comfortable point of all the drivers we said are slotting into a new position. Ricardo is the last of them. He could just be half a step behind. Chat room is saying, actually, uh, oh, here it is. It's Azair. Says, uh, I thought Ricardo was good in the race today. His qualifying was atrocious, though. Mm. We're falling into the kind of faint praise, though, aren't we, Ellen? Because he, he, Norris was fighting Mercedes and he was scrapping with Aston Martins and Ferraris and such like. But that's not, yeah, and it's not where he wants to be. He needs to be higher up. Um, but is it is it a matter of time? I mean, how much time do you give? How many races do you allow? We're on the limit, aren't we? We're on the limit, Matt. We're getting there, but it's also worth considering how exactly close the midfield is this year. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. 13th, 10th was like, is, could be sometimes half a 10th. It, it's, it's ridiculously close. And just because he winds up 13th doesn't mean he's that far out for where he should be. He is that far off Norris because this is absolutely Lando Norris team right now. Also, let's, let's not deny it wasn't exactly close between mm. them in qualifying no. this weekend, was it? It was about, what, three quarters of a second, which on a 64-second lap is an eternity. Okay, if Ricardo catches up or you teleported in a, 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 a better a driver who was more suited to the McLaren at this period in time, you could be talking about a McLaren 
You know, you could have been having, you could have even had a, a front row lockout with the right toes in a different world. So that, Chris, is why I would be concerned for McLaren with their choice. And mm. you'd hope they're doing everything they can to bring Ricardo up to speed. Because if they do that sort of thing, you know, they could turn up at, like, say, Hungary and lock out a front row and, and just park the bus and we, we, we get McLaren a, a McLaren victory. I, I think McLaren, at the moment, have a faster car than Ferrari but it's unnecessarily close between them and the championship because Ricardo's kind of driving with his hands tied behind his back. All right, in that case, let's talk about Ferrari. <laughs> okay, so I, I started playing a little game where it was, see if I can list all the drivers that Leclerc has hit in Austria. Because it's quite, it's quite a long list. Blame aside, you know, he's... Uh, who did he hit? The, you know, he hit uh, Perez a couple of times, or once at least. Hit Gasly in uh, in Austria one. I don't know if you're a Leclerc fan, Ellen, but he's just been on the raggedy edge. Blame side, you know, I'm, I'm blaming Perez for both those incidents, but he is so fighty and fiery at the moment. I, I, I made some notes and I was like, he's bringing the drama to he's what has it. been some, um, you know, not full of, especially, you know, first time round, not completely drama full for races. He's definitely bringing a bit of sparkle and drama. Isn't spice, he? isn't it? Monogasque um, spice. Yeah, spice, definitely the, the right way to put it, because I think some of the moves he was pulling today were really nice moves. And I was there like, do you know what? This is, you know, this is lovely to watch. You know, he's there, he's showing some good technical driving. And then other times um, it's sort of like, oh, is he, is he going a, a risk to like a step too far, taking those risks? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan. I think, you know, the, the cars are clearly struggling. I mean, yeah, obviously. Um, but I think, you know, he is definitely one of the drivers that stood out as someone today who was putting a lot of fight in and putting a lot of energy in. You know, the moves weren't always coming off, but, you know, he was um, he was definitely doing, you know, making some really nice moves. Yeah, he was. And making even better moves was Carlos Sainz. And this is the most interesting thing. If we look at the people who had to start on the soft tire today, only Gasly scored points at the end of it. Oh, the yeah. Death. And remember, Ferrari, yeah. to their credit, said, nope, we qualify in the mediums or we start P11. Uh, yeah, I thought that was inspired. People were saying that was a, a bum move. But this ridiculous Q2 tyre selection rule, which I, I'm completely over, I'm completely fed up of it. Ferrari just said, we're not playing that game anymore. We're not doing it. We are going to qualify on the tyre we want to race on. And so be it. And good on them, because on a track where you can pass, eighth, the difference between eighth on soft and 11th on mediums, you, you go out on the medium. So fair play. Yeah, and what we saw was signs on the hards going 48 laps and just putting on a pair of mediums and just ripping round to the end of the race. So much so that he almost got a penalty thanks to the Raikkonen Vettel incident. Wait a minute, they qualified on the hards? No, no, no. He, oh, because right, yeah. he had free tire choice. They oh, put so they started on the hards. On the hards. The nice, yeah. And they put Leclerc on the mediums. So Leclerc came in lap 34. Sainz came in lap 48. So they lap. were even smart enough to split that on the grid. Yeah, they ran a split strategy and signs just, uh, just again, are just a perfect race on those tires, made the most and brilliant strategy from Ferrari, getting the job done. Okay, so who do we, who do we like? Do we like fire? It's fire and ice, isn't it? Who do we like out of fire and ice, Ellen? What do you prefer? The signs, cool, calm, or the on the edge Leclerc? 
um my sort of the the wanting to get Ferrari to do quite well and just being <gasps> like you know are you a secret no, ham f- no, t- tafosi are you oh, no come on everyone is no everyone don't is. don't do that to me don't not you Ellen come on, don't do that come on just because you're not just because you love Perez anyway right um <laughs> worry um I think you know Ferrari will want signs they they like they'll like that strategy they'll like right okay you know I think if anyone on the you know, signs is a safe pair of hands. I think they'll like that, but also the racing, you know, wanting to see an exciting race, wanting to see some sparks and some spice. Um, I, I like, I like Leclerc, but I would say, you know, I don't, I'm not going to like say, I think I prefer to watch Leclerc. I'll, if I'm going to not sit on the fence, let's go for that. Yeah. Don't, don't Stevens this state no. an opinion. Never. But having said that, I'm going to have the opposite opinion. Science has been to every major team in the paddock save mercedes okay and i mean you know he was at he was at um uh toro rosso which is we now call AlphaTari for reasons i still don't entirely understand and he just about beat max verstappen he went to renault and whoever was there he just about beat him went to mclaren was as good as if not better than norris and now he's at ferrari and he's beaten leclerc half the time his he gets into a new team so quickly and does well so fast. I still say he is by far the most underrated driver on this grid. Well, Chris, half the time he beats his uh, his teammate every time. But I agree with Matt, though. I think he's incredibly underrated and he does such a great job of just jumping in and going, getting mm. into it. Okay, moving, moving down the grid a little bit. Uh, Mazepin ends up 50 seconds behind his teammate. But can I just say... He's so funny. He's just such a funny, lovable guy, isn't he? Ignore the gift basket next to me. He also got a 30-second penalty along with uh, Latifi for the not slowing under yellows thing for the Raikkonen-Vedel incident. So it's even more than that. It's more than that, all right. That was my question. Was was, Does that include the penalty or no? (laughs) Can I I mention Sonoda? And I don't want yes. to like throw down on him. Like credit where it's due, qualifying was pretty strong. Mm. But he got two really, really stupid penalties. Like really clumsy crossing the white line of the pit entry. And you can't say, oh, it's inexperienced. He's raced there in F3 and F2. He it, knows where that white line is. It wasn't even close. He like went a lot past it before going in, Matt. Yeah, he, he did. And thank goodness no one else on the grid also got two stupid penalties for something they should have known better about. Who? Oh, I don't know. Who else got two penalties? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It, it escapes me right now. But anyway. Okay, I feel, I feel is, attacked, honestly. Matt, I think you're talking about Perez and thinking that I'll be hurt by that. Oh, was that who it was? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hurt you. But I, I actually, I want to make the bigger point here about Sunoda is that, yeah, the penalties were ones that should have been avoided. But on actual pace, I mean, he was, he was, he was keeping up with Gasly till he got those penalties. I mean, he was doing everything that you would want him to be doing. I feel like he's made penalties aside. I feel mm. like he's made a step. He did good qualifying. He was up until the first set of pit stops where he got the penalty. He was right there with Gasly. I, I, so I think his tire management still needs work. But I see progress there. Yeah, and the thing is, Chris, isn't it? Let's get the pace sorted. Once the pace is sorted, you can sort everything else out. If you don't have the pace, go home. I think the pace has been okay. He just has some 
these big moments. He's had two very expensive qualifying crashes, which has tended to be his downfall more often than not. All right. Okay. Oh, we, that means we can cover another. Whose fault is it? <laughs> I think this is the worst one. This was uh, Vettel and Kimi Raikkonen just coming together in just the weirdest way. It's like, here's, here's an ocean, and they found exactly the same patch to just drive into each other. I think it was more Kimi's fault. It seemed like he just, he seemed like he was steering all the way into him, stopped, and then steered in again. Like, really determined to hit him. It's like, this is for the Ferrari days. I'm no one's number two, Sebastian. It was net code. It was not net code. Don't people don't like iRacing references, uh, Matt? Uh, it, you like? I don't know. It's not like Vettel was in his blind spot. <laughs> there was someone, <laughs> no, someone he's put a big... still, and it's like Vettel, Vettel's car, and then Kimmy steering wheel turned to the right as they are making contact. There, there's no explanation for it that I can see, and it's so baffling that even Vettel, who you think, I mean, happy birthday. By the oh. way, congratulations on getting a three-spot penalty and crashed out of the race. He does get a new gearbox out of it. So I mm-hmm. suppose Happy maybe it was a gift from Raikkonen. It's like, I'll get, let me give you a new gearbox by crashing you out of the race on the last lap. Somebody asked me, is Raikkonen too old for Formula One now? My answer would generally be yes. And I think um, in modern F1, Matt, I know you're going to defend old people, but... No, I'm not. Did you hear his radio message to his engineer when he said, oh, by the way, we've been warned about track limits? Yeah, you track 10. Well, in that case, tell me beep, beep about track 10 before I get to beep, turn 10. And you go, yeah, all right. I don't know, man. He 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 forgot to take some supplement or something. That, wow. On a, on a serious note, I don't want to be ageist, but we've seen in modern Formula One at 40 and can confirm as a 40-year-old myself, that is when we see the kind of the dipping and, and the drifting off. I mean, Schumacher, as much of a legend as he was, uh, when partnering Nico Rosberg at, at Mercedes, you started to see these, those mistakes creeping in at the age of 41. These kind of inexplicable, just random contacts at high speed where you go, Whoa, maybe we've reached the point where 41-year-olds don't need to be in F1 cars. Valentino Rossi, case in point right there for any bike racing fans. That's the motorbikes. They ride themselves. That's the dirty secret. They're all AI, all those bikes. <laughs> How, how else do you explain that they lean over and don't fall down? Human beings couldn't do that. Centrifugal forces, my dear Spanners. Oh, by the way, quick aside, very quick aside, go and uh, look at Lucas Degrassi's Twitter feed where he shows a video of um, an AI correcting oversteer into a chicane with, um, with a, a GT car. We are about to see, we are in our lifetimes, Chris, we are going to see how close humans are to the limit of what an F1 car can do because at some point... We can put a, a robot basically ballast controlling an F1 car and see what lap times it gets. I mean, a few months ago, that same car did just straight up drive into the wall. A wall. Yeah. You just straight up turned yeah. into a wall. Uh, not like clipped an apex wall. No, just turned right. And I didn't say, perpendicular I didn't say tomorrow. Wall. I said in but, our lifetimes. No, but I am, I am 100% in agreement with you on that. I am fascinated by the whole development of AI tech and self-driving cars and i think the idea of robo race which is what degrassi is talking about there yeah, yeah, yeah. pitting robots against humans <laughs> so, that's awesome so to continue my tangent just a tiny bit further matt i i will maintain that f1 does not have the selection pressure of of other sports so 
in the 100-metre sprint, when there's a billion people that could potentially be the 100-metre sprinters, you get pretty close to what a human being ultimately can do. I think in racing, if we if we had the same amount of people that could try to be a 100-metre sprinter and try to be Formula 1 drivers, I, I think we'd see a vastly different field and a more competitive field and a faster field. You know, people have mocked me when I say that F1 isn't really a sport. It's a marketing business. <laughs> but I would say that Kimi Raikkonen absolutely makes my point right now. Yeah, you are right. There is not the same selection pressure. And it's not just the fact that most of the world can't afford to even get into junior level karting. Yeah. Much less the feeder series for F1. But once you get there, if you make yourself a star, well, you can hang around for quite some time after your actual potential has been exhausted. Yeah, and we've got Doc Wallace in the chat room says, we need an F1 championship races for the over 40s. I would watch a veterans F- an F1 veterans spec series. I would watch that all day long. It's called GT racing. Yeah, all right. I didn't want to... You're not supposed oh, to wow. say it out loud. Let's go to the podium. <laughs> Well, definitely a diversion into Red Bull territory at the end of Austria 2. And it's a it's a big spike. It's a double spike. But I would urge people not to give up on this championship yet. Let's see how the next few races go. There has been an ebb and a flow to this season already. And we are deeply into a alarming, worrying and ominous Red Bull ebb. But it could just be an ebb. It could also be the start of Red Bull dominating. And once they get their teeth into Formula One, the rest of the F1 paddock should be afraid because we've seen what they can do with a bit between their teeth and a dominant car. We're quaking in our boots at the prospect of a, of a Red Bull 2 championship era. But bring it on. And I think if Mercedes want to really show what they're made of, yeah, they showed they could build a dominant team. But can they fight? Have they got heart? I suspect they have. Uh, we've got awards. We've got a good thing award. Okay, panel, let's be super duper positive about the races and talk about who did real super good. It can be a driver. It can be a team. It can be an ethereal concept. It could be friendship. I just want to know what was your thing of the weekend, Chris? Was the was it the the friends we made along the way? Yeah, um, that was the real prize for me. It were I'm going to say this because I don't think anyone else will. It was the rock rendition of the Austrian national anthem because <laughs> I know you going on about national anthems in France. Yeah, like, ooh, this is this is boring. They are boring. Well, they spiced them up right there, didn't they? I missed it. Was it good? It was amazing. Oh, okay, good. Oh, well, good. What, what, what the rock anthem was it of Austria? The rock version of the Austrian anthem. It was anthem. the rock. It was like full on metal electric guitar. Brilliant. Oh, I might have to rewind and find that. Ellen, what was your thing of the weekend? I'm going to take the obvious one and go for for Lando. And if you want me to go specific, I'll go Lando's quality. Yeah. Just just so then we're avoiding the the sort of more questionable parts of the race. The shoving Perez off (laughs) the rotter. (laughs) So fighting. And and that's where he's been really strong, stronger arguably on a Saturday than a Sunday. But specifically with Perez, he is just absolutely wrecking Perez's season in a good way. And he deserves to be. But he's being a real thorn in the second Red Bull's side. 
That's what we want to see, though, isn't mm-hmm. it? That's yeah. what we want to see. That's what. That's why he's he's up there as my thing of the week. Excellent, Matt. To rumpets, uh, you are at MattPT55 on Twitter. You write. You. you I didn't realise you were also writing articles for our, our website, but you're part of the writing team also. What was the latest yeah. article about? Well, the only article, the first article, because I've been busy doing my Not show thing. The first article you've written on. Correct. There's been loads right. of really good stuff coming out of the website. No, the the coverage by the team of the race weekend is just spectacular. Our team, they, by the way, our writing team, those people, um, they hardly believe Mist Apex has a writing team. MistApex.net. Go check it out. Yep. Easy to find the articles. But yes, um, in the wake of the Vettel incident, I began looking at the onboards and I thought, you know what? I, th- I think there's a bit of a story here about how this all evolved. And the next thing you know, yeah, we've written an article and it's up on the site. Cool. What's your thing of the weekend? And it can't be you writing an article for MistApex.net. No, it was never going to be me writing an article. Um, I actually had Norris, but for an entirely different reason. And the post-race chats with the TV, he was standing there and Russell came up and gave him the, you know, hail fellow well-met kind of good job. And he commented oh yeah you're very sweaty and russell and, and norris just turned to him and said that's champagne yeah that was sick he I, I thought I... oh <laughs> man just drop the mic and walk away because it's never going to get better than that oh absolutely do i get a missed apex award do i no no this is the good thing isn't it yes we're still we're still on the good thing uh i i just think it's it's got to be cumulatively the ease and calmness of max verstappen up front in cruise control mode because you know it's a test over the years you've looked at vettel and and hamilton and schumacher up ahead and gone assumed that is easy but i don't think every driver would be able to settle down into those positions and not stuff it we've seen plenty of people stuff it from the lead overdrive their car cool calm managed and it's as important to pick up these easy wins you know in football you know liverpool i'm going back a bit now Liverpool in the 90s, you know, they used to lose against the little teams with the big, big games and then, you know, lose against the, the Swindons. I can't remember who was in the, uh, the top division at that time. But yeah, you've got to take the easy victories as well. And Verstappen has shown he can lead a championship for a bit. Now here's the bad thing award. And that's much more fun. Oh, no, you missed the apex. This is the bit, Alan, where we just get to criticise people from our from our sheds. But first, we should point people to your social media. You're a little more glamorous and youthful and cool than us. So you've, you're all about the Instagram and stuff. At, yeah. Hang on, I remember it. Oh, at Ellen Ellard, double underscore. No. Oh. No, but if you want to go, yeah, go, if you've got bad things, say go there. <laughs> okay, so, but it is just search for Ellen Ellard on Instagram yeah, and Twitter I'll and you will everywhere. be found on there. Yes. Good. So follow Ellen. All the links, by the way, to every panellist and all the stuff we've talked about is in the show notes below, including the Patreon one, patreon.com forward slash Missed Apex support independent podcasters. It will make you feel warm and fluffy. Uh, Ellen, who missed the Apex for you? Mmm. This, I was trying to, this has been a difficult one because a lot of what we've debated has been in flux, but maybe just the, you get a penalty, you get a penalty, you get a penalty, you get a penalty. So the stewards. 
the stewards, but not, yeah, I don't, I don't want to fight a steward, come on. Um, but just the sprinkling of penalties, let the boys race. Yeah, you don't want to fight the stewards. They startle easily, but they return in numbers. Uh, I don't know. We can talk about this on our triple header roundup, but I've, I actually feel very positive about the direction of, of stewarding. Chris Stevens, at Chris on Racing on Twitter, um, and uh, Chris dances with a hula hoop on TikTok. Who missed, who missed the apex for you? Oh, yeah, I could also say, you know, the race having more penalties than the France-Switzerland game. Uh, But I think for me, and it pains me to say it, it's got to be Esteban Ocon. For that gap, that quality gap. Yeah, yeah, the quality performance and the very pitiful start to the race that he had. No time time for a riposte from Trumpets, unfortunately, so we've got to move on. (laughs) No, come on, Matt. No, it does look rough for your boy. I know how much of a fan you are of Ocon, and no one's saying he's not talented, but it's starting to look a bit like Alonso's team, isn't it? Well, I mean, considering we raced at the same track twice, yes, there's got the same result. Uh, I'm going to my Mercedes argument, which is I think it (laughs) might distort things a little bit. It is odd. And I know uh, from talking to Summers, they, for the second week running, had entirely different setups on the car. So something is clearly going on. I know listening to the onboards, he was really not happy with his brakes at all. But beyond that, I don't have any information. So hard for me to comment, but I will say I don't think the gap is reflective of the talent in in this situation. So if it was three tenths, I'd be handing it to Alonzo easily. But at, at, at a second, I'm like, okay, something else is kind of going on here. I just don't know what it is yet. It's as reflective as the shine of your tinfoil hat. That sounds like a conspiracy. Who missed the apex for you? Ah, uh, well, it had to be Raikkonen, but then he made up for it by hitting Vettel. Vettel is not an apex. We've discussed this many, many times. <laughs> completely. I don't know what was up with Kimmy. He had such a good race until he absolutely did not. And man, he just... Yeah, actually, the, the Alpha Summit looked too bad here in, um, in Austria. Uh, Austria 1 and 2. So let's see if they can keep that up for Silverstone. I am torn for my missed apexes. Uh, I'm actually torn between Leclerc and Perez because they have both been just getting into too much bother. So you can talk about whose fault it was and both those incidents, but both those drivers have been getting into incidents they didn't need to be in. Um, Since this is Austria 2, it will have to go to Perez missing the apex. You just you don't need to get in three scraps like that when you're probably in the fastest car. You probably wanted to pick your battles. It was a long, long race. Do what you do best, Perez. Uh, Settle down kill him on the tyres, that was an easy second, not easy, there was second place was there, it should have been a Red Bull 1-2 today, so you've, you've got to give Perez uh, the missed apex for finishing in the end, a net sixth after the penalty. Can I try and make you feel better about that? Yes, please. Um, the last time I saw Perez have a race like he did today was right before Aston signed him <laughs> when he was battling with Ocon, and so I think okay. this may be a prelude to Red Bull saying he's going to be around for next season. See, Ellen, when you get a new media contract, like the, the next show after you get a, a new contract, you, you can sell closer to the wind because you know they're not going to sack you for another year, probably. I don't know. <laughs> Is that just me? Is that my attitude? Is that think, why my career is going badly? I think, I think that's just you. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, what awards do we have next? Oh, um, the Pony Award. Oh, yes. I like that one. Well, where is it? Where's my Pony Award button? There is. How I wish I had someone to 
sit in my shed with me and press the button so I wasn't fumbling around like a strange, weird old man. Uh, if you support us at patreon.com, maybe one day we can get like an intern. We can get like an intern. What do you think, Chris? Can, you don't have to pay interns much, do you? They can just sit next to me and press the buttons and make all the bumpers come up. Oh, we can get them to get coffee yep. as well. Just me, though. They're not going to go to your house and give you coffee. Do, do we have Why any... not? That's what they're not paid for. <laughs> do... I'd appreciate a coffee, to be honest with you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we're all drinking coffee in our mugs. Our mugs all have coffee in them. Uh, right, Pony Awards. Anyone got a pony? Raikkonen, I suppose, with just yeah. just a, a bizarre rant. And I'll tell you what, Matt, those rants have been getting more and more vocal. Yeah, he's he's definitely reaching that age where he starts to answer the door in his underwear, if you ask me. With one of those, like, metal mesh doors, it's super hot, yeah. and he's in, like, a vest, and he's just like, who, who, who are you? Get off my lawn. Let's be fair to him. He's had a very rough week. The hailstones smashed, like, his car windows, and so I would not be surprised if he was a bit miffed. Any other ponies, guys? I don't... Mm, mm, go on, um, go for it, go for it. Mm, so, um, can I go for Lando? Which one? Just um, when he, I don't know, because when he comes up to oh. his uh, post-race interview and goes, hey, you know, you must be so, so chuffed. No, no, yeah. not happy. Wasn't oh, good enough. I, wasn't good enough. I, not yeah. happy. And I'm just there like, oh, no. I wondered if it might be when they told him about his penalty and he went a little bit Kevin and Perry where they're like, you got a penalty. What's it for? And they're like, oh, don't worry about it. We're not telling you. It was for that thing, wasn't it? It was, wasn't it? Whatever. You're not my parents. Yeah, that was, to be fair, that was that's a better one. That's the best one. I'll just swap those around in the edit. Yeah? <laughs> okay, we'll do, Chris. That's classic racing driver. You've done one thing the whole race, and then they go for what? <laughs> that's a really good impression. Okay, fantastic. Uh, we've got one award left, Matt, and that is comment of the week. My absolute favourite people on earth. If I had to choose, if I had to choose my favourite people on earth, Matt. Obviously, the panel, the crew. Right, and the crew yeah. that I'm looking at at any given moment. So right now, Chris, Ellen, and Matthew. But apart from that, it's the patrons that support us at www.patreon.com forward slash missed apex. Because without them, we wouldn't have the time to do the things that we do. We wouldn't have the equipment to do what we do. We wouldn't have the ambition and the scope that has got us to being at one point in the week the second highest ranking US uh, iTunes sports. F1 podcast. We were only behind F1 Nation. We were above like literally everything else in the US charts. I think we were like fourth in the UK at one point as well. And we got up to 25th in the Spotify sports charts in the US as well. And we literally can only do that because of the patrons. And that's all sports. I mean, imagine talking about F1 and being 25th in the US. In the US. That is a thing. Where they like basketball, where like you can just score a thousand points with your thoughts. Uh, But anyway... Uh, if if I had to give the next rung down, who are my favourite people on earth? It would be the people who join us in the live chat room. And we give them an award, which is comment of the week. Matt, what are the nominations? And tell us who's won. All right. Nominations are Martin Van Khan. Kimmy had too much of the drink. Lauren Chris. Hang on, wait a minute. That's quite slanderous. We are, no one is implying that Kimmy Raikkonen is drunk whilst driving a race car, no matter how much it looked like it, Chris. Wasn't it? A reference to you will not have the drink. Yes, I know it was, but clearly too much drink implies alcohol. So I'm just cut the legal team. Derek okay. and legal was right in my ear then. 
Go, Mike. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, Lauren Christ, Leclerc equals boop for all of you. Boop. Oh, balance boop. of performance. On the nose. Boop. Okay. <laughs> That's cute. Uh, who else? Um, uh, Olaf is in with Hamilton floor, got a time penalty. Right. Um, Mr. AJ Scotty, the race stewards got a 10 second penalty because they were, you know, giving out penalties, I suppose. And I think we will finish up with Christopher, Christopher Fonseca's turns out AWS throws away millions of perfectly accurate stats after every race. (laughs) Who's the winner, Matt? Are we, I don't know what the boop thing was, but it was cute. And I think I like it. I like being booped if I'm being booped. Well, I, I usually we would throw to Ellen at this point to see what she thought. I was going to say, I quite like that last one. Well, if it comes down to you and Spanners, this week's winner is Christopher Fonseca for turns out AWS throws away millions of perfectly accurate stats after every race. Shocking. Comment of the week. Unbelievable. Can't believe I've been overruled on my own show when I'm the best one. So follow me at Spanners Ready, Richard Ready on Facebook. Um, you can follow Missed Apex on TikTok youtube twitter search for missed apex podcast there we would love you to like and subscribe this video and make sure that you subscribe on your podcatcher of choice don't rely on me posting links please go and follow my panel uh, go and follow matt at matt pt 55 go and follow chris at chris on racing and ellen by searching for ellen ellard on your social media platform of choice we're going to be back here on tuesday for a roundup a kind of triple header review and we've got some really really great shows lined up some of which we've already recorded for the little break between here and silverstone as well and the iRacing missed apex f3 cup on friday don't miss it missed apex motorsport yep and it will be linked in the show notes below as well subscribe to missed apex motorsport on youtube until we see you next please work hard be kind and have fun this was missed apex podcast so i think i need another sticker for being very brave when perez did so bad and hamilton had bad stuff and i didn't cry I didn't cry on camera, not even one time, not even a tiny tear. I hid it. Get another sticker. I can't wait to get my second sticker when I get my second jam. Well, have you had your first one? I've had my first one. I I was a big, brave boy too. (laughs) And I'm going to be even bigger and even braver the second time. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.